so we just got an interesting meal. Um, me, <laughs> a succulent, interesting Milo, meal. <laughs> what a nightmare. Not Hussein, who's in the ball, but our friend Aiden, who is not in the ball. And actually, we just did a whole episode with him, but you'll hear that later. (laughs) (laughs) Episode is a very loose term for what just happened. Trash Eater is like Tarantino. It's like the ending is first and the beginning beginning in the middle. In the middle, yeah. (laughs) In the middle is now, is after we've had that just interesting meal where we got a chicken Caesar salad that could only have been described as... um, it was like, like it, it was a hell timeline. It was Caesar like hot salad. meat, various ingredients in a swimming pool of filth. It was fucked up. <laughs> it, was, it was it was hot meat and then boiled lettuce yeah. in a pool of oil and just bits of capsicum. There was Edinburgh, some capsicum involved. Edinburgh oh, no, Edinburgh man. cuisine is not a cuisine. My friends actually from I've, I've I've this is my fifth Edinburgh fringe, but a bunch of my mates from Melbourne came over and are like. One of my mates, Pete, we're going to London for a week after this thing. And he was just like, is the food in London better than Edinburgh? <laughs> like, please tell me it's better. And I was like, yeah, they actually have good food here, but they just settle for such a low standard on their daily food things, you know? So I guess yeah. if anyone's listening to this in the past, please send us a better lunch <laughs> because we are very ornery from having had a bad one. It was one of the worst pizzas. Yeah, it was really, bad. really yeah. unsatisfying. Yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. it was somehow like both excessively crisp and excessively soggy yeah! at the same time. It was glued to the box. I tried to get the stuff out the middle by sawing it off the box with a knife, and I almost ate a piece of cardboard. Anyway, Hussein, <laughs> what I'm ultimately saying is we're missing the food from the caliphate. This is this is this is this is why I only stick to eating one meal because I don't trust like things like delivery. So the it. only thing that I, re- I, I will eat is just Not. meat, um, oh lightly, so- lightly spiced with salt, uh, <laughs> as um, as washed down pizza. with a refreshing cup of soup. I, personally, I, I I'm so happy that it's been revealed that Jordan Peterson only eats meat, which it has been revealed by the way. He only eats a hundred percent meat diet, and apparently his whole philosophy is just the late effects of Kreutzfeld Jakob disease. He must be just like shitting absolute bricks every day. Well, like, he only eats meat, or he eats meat in every meal. No, not only like, meat. Only like, meat. He will not have no, bread. Only meat. Meat, one hundred percent. So he has like those fucking KFC things. That's like chicken. Double down. Yeah, the double down. He just only eats double downs. No, he's like, oh, can I please have a KFC double down, but hold the lettuce? <laughs> <laughs> it's like every time he takes a sh- He used to eat meat, meat and greens, but then he then like he's a stop eating vegetables um, because apparently like having scurvy is completely rational. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> every time Jordan... Every yep, time Jordan on. Peterson takes a shit, it sounds like an IRA execution. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Welcome back to this episode of Trash Future, the podcast about how the future is trash. I said the fucking thing, but I didn't say the whole thing. I'm saying a new abridged version of it. And that's how that's going right now. My name is Riley. You can find me at Twitter on, on Riley, R-A-A-L-E-H. It's a bad Twitter handle. Uh, my name is Milo Edwards, at Milo underscore Edwards on Twitter. Uh, my penis isn't small. It's an abridged version of the penis. It's actually just as good. <laughs> my name's Aiden Taco Jones. You can find me on Twitter at AJ underscore Taco or Instagram Aiden Taco Jones. 
Yeah, mm. and uh, Aiden was joined us around this time last year for a discussion about housing, and this time he's just chilling in our house and just won't put the microphone down. <laughs> we're, a lot of, we're a lot of drinks deep at this point. We are. <laughs> joining us from the ball. 4.30 p.m. From the ball from the caliphate. I'm, 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 I'm in the ball because I'm still in hiding after the soup tweet. Uh, there's, still, there's, still, there's still Americans who are like demanding that they know what cafe I work in. Um, are they trying to extradite they you? Want, they want to give me a piece of their mind and they want me to know that in Kansas, they wouldn't stand for people like me because everyone, regardless of whether they're black, white, or Asian, um, eats soup from the same bowl. To which, I, to, 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 which, to which I'm kind of thinking like, you know, isn't that like a bit like unhygienic and isn't, you know, maybe... You know, maybe that's another good argument for socialized healthcare. Well, I, I think know, that's a little bit. Talking. I, I think it's a little bit presumptuous to assume that everyone eats soup. Do you know what I mean? There are various um, regional cuisines that need to be taken into consideration in these kind of situations. Yeah, no, I, I mean, like, I, I mean, I mean, the only meals, the only meals in like Brexit Britain will be soup and like plain KFC double downs. Um, <laughs> I just can't believe that these chuds are prepared to give you a piece of their mind because from anything I can tell, they have not got much to spare. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just, just like, just like the muddy I'm in hiding, uh, waiting for, waiting for, waiting for it all to just blow over. Hussein um, Kasvani is the hidden imam. I could get arrested by like the Iranian, like secret police. If they hear this podcast, but then at the same time, that comforts me because they would have to listen to every single episode of this show. And at some point we'd have to explain all the dumb shit that we've said about like Virgil being a hack. And uh, what I, I don't know, I can't even remember what other stupid shit that we've said. Um, anyway, you can follow me at H Kazani where um, <laughs> I sometimes post smart stuff. I'm trying to do it more, but yeah. it always will go back to the sweet soup tweet. Oh, it will always it will always go back to triggering the conservatives with soup. Um, <laughs> so this episode, we got a cool one coming up. Uh, we're going to talk about some some news, current events, give our, our trademark, you know, sideways take at what's going on. Uh, and then, whoa, uh, I'm walking here, <laughs> but on the walls, it's sideways. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to be walking here, but in the news. And then after this, we are going to speak with Molly Smith and Juno Mack. Uh, who are at Pasta Chips and Fornicatrix on Twitter, uh, who have written a very cool new book uh, for Verso called Revolting Prostitutes, which everyone should read if they're interested in like sex workers' rights and like the creation of a sex industry that isn't just, you know, woke bay, do whatever you want, but actually understands that like work is the problem. Uh, so yeah, do check it out. Do check out our interview. Keep listening, I guess, to the show. Yeah. Uh, don't remember that work is through. bad. Yeah, work is bad. If you're on bad. your way to work now, maybe don't go to work and just continue listening <laughs> to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. If you're on your commute, just stay on until Faden Bois. Faden Boys, please. Uh, <laughs> my favorite my favorite Essex youth gang, the Faden Boys. Just, just, hey, maybe stay on until Roding Valley or Chigwell. <laughs> It says so much about like the, the you know the, the social different substructures in the UK that like in Buckinghamshire there's a place called Chesham Bois which is called Chesham fucking Bois but in Essex there's a place called Thaden Boys 
which is spelt the same, but is absolutely the Thaden fucking boys. <laughs> Pouring one out for my boys out here in Thaden. <laughs> what if you stayed on until Uxbridge or Hillingdon? Mm. Other places you could stay on till. Why? Stay on till them. Don't go to the center of the city to work. Just stay on till the other side of the city. My like, uncle oh, lives in Uxbridge. This is the same place that I'm from. Not fun fact. No. Anyways, guys, there's some shit going on. Shit. Yeah. Oh. Uh, for example, do you know that if you wanted to know your premier news source for where to find if they're turning the frogs gay has been taken off the air? Have they? Have they done it? Have the frogs finally been turned gay indefinitely? <laughs> it's no longer news. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> My children will never know an ungay frog. <laughs> so, no. Ungay? So, That's very yeah. 1984. <laughs> <laughs> no. uh, look at this. Look at those frogs fucking homosexually. My grandmother always used to say to me when I was a child. <laughs> so, um, yes. Fearless journalists, Infowars have finally been taken off the air. Oh, really? Yes. Wow, that's so wild. Their YouTube channel has been deleted. Whoa. Uh, Their Apple Podcasts podcast has been deleted. Spotify's gotten rid of them. Pinterest has gotten rid of them. Really? Alex Jones' head is about to explode at this very minute. Exactly. Guys, guys, I could I could I could take it. I could take it all. I could take Spotify, I could take Instagram, I could take Twitter, but when they took when they took Paul Joseph Watson off LinkedIn, that was that was, that was <laughs> Who am could- I gonna endorse for having sexy as hell red ass lips? Who am I who who is gonna endorse me for my skill at map sitter in front of a re? Oh yeah. yeah so yeah. um they've been taken off the air and um, I uh, to be honest, like I I am of a mixed opinion about it. My opinion is not that mixed. It's mostly positive. Like it's eighty percent positive. What? What? Who? Who took them off the air, and how did they get took off the well, air? Um. So what happened basically was that I think you'll find it was the Jewish conspiracy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was the gay frogs, <laughs> the gay frog Jewish Jewish conspiracy alliance. No, so basically, like, in short, what happened was that one major tech monopolist decided that after dozens and dozens of complaints, because Alex Jones would, like, you know, say shit like victims of school shootings or crisis actors or whatever and cause them to, like, be in a position where they couldn't go visit their own, like, children's graves because people kept harassing them and so on. Um, because it's like, oh, they just want to take your guns. They pretended all of these school shootings were happening. Okay, your child is dead, but why are the frogs gay? <laughs> no, yeah, though, that's, that was a that's big, wild. that was a big thing where after the Sandy we're Hook. denying the existence of school shootings. Yes, that was a big thing. Whoa. We said all school shootings are false flag attacks because that's, the government wants to create a precedent to take away your gun. That is insane. It, right. it is, correct. It is. Because that implies that the, the government has been training, like, child operatives yeah. to shoot the other kids at school. Which I think is a level of intelligence far beyond the current administration. Yeah. So so basically, is because people got complaints, and then, um, fucking, who did it first? Hussein, do you remember who did it first? Uh, it was... Um, it was YouTube, I think. Yeah. It was Google, yeah. Google, like, took them down first. I think, I think it was YouTube... Uh, like Facebook, like started to waver first, Hello. and YouTube took it down, and then and and then like there was just the dominoes fell after that as everyone looked yeah, at what everyone right. else was doing. So basically, what happened was 
um, the, 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 the inside story was that social media companies have kind of been debating about whether like what to do with like channels like Infowars because they know that they, they know that the they know the problems about like Alex Jones's channel. They know about like the conspiracy theories. They also know about like how like a lot of Infowars people have been behind like doxing and stuff like that. So there's like a real kind of physical harm. So, but they've been debating about this idea of like, should we like take them off our platforms or not? And basically what happened was when YouTube decided, um, and so YouTube, like Google basically decided that like, we're going to take them off the platform. There was no real like warning. There was no like strike system. They just took them down and that gave the incentive to everyone else to take them down, except for our friend, Jack Dorsey on Twitter. <laughs> who, um, Jack Dorsey, who, who not, who not, fearless who, who fascism only, apologist. Yeah. I mean, who not only like didn't take them down, but put like a free tweet defense of like their decision to do it. Right. Because our friend Jack Dorsey just doesn't know when to stop digging. So like on his tweets, he said something along the lines of like, we're aware of like the problems of Alex Jones's tweets, but we also believe that like he is a kind of like critical voice at like a very urgent time of discussion, right? Which basically sets the idea that Twitter believes that all of Alex Jones's like bullshit, like conspiracy theory stuff is completely fine and completely normal. But anyway, we're going to keep like deleting the accounts of like women of color and black women who like want to complain about racism on their platform. Here's the weird thing. There's this weird axis that's between Glenn Greenwald, who's usually very good, and Count Dankula, who is 100% very is here today. <laughs> yeah. Edinburgh Live show. Welcome to the show. Right, where, where they're saying like, oh no, it's, 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 yeah, Alex Jones may have been an insane conspiracy theorist who, whose whole thing is just getting really red. Um, but it's bad that these big tech monopolists can censor anybody. Um, yeah. Um, and then, and, and Alex Joe and, you know, sorry, Alex Jones, uh, Count Dankula very tastelessly appropriated the first they came for, et cetera, et cetera, Holocaust poem. But again, about a vitamin salesman. Um, Count Dankula just made me think, I want to suck your frog dick. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, fucking, and, and then even Glenn Greenwald was like, yes, I'm, I'm not comfortable with the fact that, you know, a, there are tech monopolists who can just decide what we see. Um, and so both of these people are sort of uncomfortable with it for sort of slightly different reasons. And, you know, that's why I say I, I have a slightly mixed feeling towards it because, you know, Count Dankula is obviously a, a bad faith acting fucking moron um, who's, who's famous because he taught a pug to be racist. Um, and his actual title is the second Viscount Dankula anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas I think like Greenwald has a point, but like, what's the point of defending someone whose whole thing is just telling emotionally appealing lies? So I think, cause like, I, I, yeah, I, I kind of see, I kind of see where the point, I kind of see the point that's being made here in the sense that like, you know, you may be kind of, you know, or, you know, famously, famous liberals might be very happy that like, you know, big tech is like censoring or like to taking down accounts. Um, accounts that like, by the way, have been like, you know, you can make a pretty stringent case of them um, breaching like various terms and conditions. Um, but in any case, the idea that like any kind of big, big platform can shut down uh, people's accounts, like does this set a dangerous precedent? Um, and I kind of think that it's a disingenuous argument, largely because what we're really talking about is like tech monopolies, right? We're talking about like private sector, you know, private sector, like big tech, 
um, that have been given like lots of privilege, not just by like, you know, liberal administrations, but even the Trump administration too, right? That's why like so many of these tech, so many of these tech CEOs actually do really like the Trump administration. Um, you know, so the bigger question is really just like, what do we actually do with, um, you know, how, how do you make, how do you make like tech more equitable and more accountable? And there are better solutions for doing that. Like, you know, we had a show a few weeks ago about, um, you know, making, you know, turning, uh, social media companies into like commodity, like public commodities, um, uh, or public enterprises. I think that like the way that Greenwald and by extension, like Dankula and all these like alt-right shitheads have been reappropriating it. It's more just like they're framing it in, the, they're framing it in a kind of a case of like victimhood. The idea being that like, oh, you know, if they come for us or come for you as if like, you know, there's a moral equivalence between, you know, an individual like tweeting about their kids um, on Facebook and like a guy who makes so much money out of like selling fucking like sugar pills and talking about and talking about like how the frogs are like sucking each other's dick. Yeah, <laughs> it's because like the thing to remember also is that a lot of these like alt right shitheads and like Greenwald, who's admittedly very good mostly, and but he they're all making the same point, which is like oh no, now they're taking everybody down. It's like tell that to like the trans YouTubers who've whose videos have been demonetized and deleted for the last years, for the people like like. People also, like LGBT people who've like had all of their content flagged as adult and like hidden yeah. from teenagers for years. Like it's not new. And and the, re- the I I was going to say that the really important the really important thing is also like when we talk when we if you want to frame it in that debate then like it's really a conversation about power, right? Like who has power on these platforms? And you know you've made the point there that like the pe- like people who have been censored include like trans student like trans people, uh, people of color. Um, at like left-wing activist groups, um, you know, this has been hap- this has been happening for years, right? So it's only now when like these kind of right-wing chuds with these huge platforms, um, because they kind of tweet stuff about how like all the refugees are coming after their daughters and everything, um, you know, when yeah, they're the ones daughters. who kind of like are subject to that, that's when they kick a fuss. Um, and what we need to do is like, okay, censorship and big tech and tech monopolization, like those are really important issues you know, stuff that, like, is very urgent to talk about, but we can't let, like, newbies, like, right-wing shitheads, like, frame the debate. Just in the same way that, like, the left, I think, were very, um, they were very, very, like, off the mark when it came to letting the right frame the conversation on free speech. Like, we can't be making these same mistakes again. I guess I was just going to say something about how these are private entities and they have the prerogative to, um, to censor their platforms the way that they want, but he makes a good point about uh, tech monopolization and the fact that do these platforms need to be in some way controlled by the government or by the people because if they've they affect like YouTube effectively holds the monopoly on video content right so yeah, yeah so I, the thing that I was going to say before is basically moot now because you made a better point than <laughs> <me>. <laughs> it's like, that's the thing it's like it's it's like every time something like this happens it just re-emphasizes the point that these companies ought not be privately owned, ought be broken up and then probably publicly owned. Yeah, totally. Because like the best way to I understand them, publicly owned. The best way to <laughs> the be- publicly the be- owned by a publicly owned platform. The best way to understand them isn't as, you know, private startups who are inventing this, that or the other, but they're now utilities. Yeah. Like they're now like it just like like pipes bring you water, cords bring you electricity. Uh. 
YouTube YouTube bills got up this month, yeah. darling. <laughs> I want to see YouTube on the fucking Monopoly board instead of water. Fuck water. <laughs> Fuck water. Fuck yeah. Who needs water? That's Every living thing. being on an earth. I want to see a video of a chimp pissing in its own mouth. That's the thing. <laughs> I, I, I saw a video ultimately, of a- ultimately, Trash Future's main goal has always been to nationalize Team 10. Until that happens. Dude, I once saw a video of an Australian guy pissing in his own mouth in a punk concert, which is apparently a thing you guys do. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Apparently there's a thing in the Australian punk scene where if a show is really good, you take out your dick and you piss in your own mouth. Uh I mean I don't know which punk scenes you're referring to, but I mean I mean I guess there's like a G.G. Allen type thing where people will have certain reverence for bodily fluids. Like, I'm having a good time, let me shit in my hand. <laughs> I was I was recently on holiday with a friend who um you know, he's like it's weird because he's actually one of the more normal people I know on a day-to-day basis. But when he gets a bit drunk, you know, he sort of has like. And we were in we were in France, and uh, he he really needed a shit. He was quite drunk, and he said, "I'm going to go poo in the sea." But what he actually did was he pooed in his own hand, and then he threw it into the sea. That's but incorrect. He, he was standing. <laughs> he was standing in the sea while he did that. So basically, it's like. You're sitting on the toilet, but you poo yeah, into your own hand. His own poo you stand out of up the and sea. you throw it back into the toilet. <laughs> like, <laughs> there you go, shit. That'll show go you Poseidon, you fucking uh, dog. And then afterwards, <laughs> just to annoy people, he pissed in his own mouth. <laughs> right. Yeah, like, that's real weird. So that's and her that take is on in, <laughs> in sum. Right. I was also going to say that um, YouTube banning, you know, the trans YouTubers is something I'm conflicted about because obviously I want trans people to have a voice. But on the other hand, I also hate all YouTubers. So I kind of want them all to be banned. <laughs> so really, I would say YouTube's mistake was in not just banning all YouTubers. So wait, you're, you're not an all lives matter kind of guy. You're like a no YouTubers matter. Exactly. No YouTubers yeah. matter. And all the YouTubers. Go back to Ebaum's um, world. That's what yeah. I say. <laughs> so let's, I mean, I think let's, it's like ultimately the problem with um, the, the, the sort of, the good thing about the InfoWars ban is that obviously, we don't need to restate this, InfoWars is an insane conspiracy website that's like tearing apart the fabric of our society or at least it's exploiting weaknesses in the fabrics of our society that we've created to just complete the tearing apart. But you would say it that because you eat babies. <laughs> I do. Um, and <laughs> You got me. Yeah, you got yeah. me. Um, but it's good that it's banned, but the fact that it was so easy to ban is something we shouldn't necessarily be triumphalist about. I, I just, I, I genuinely don't want it to be banned because I find it so funny. <laughs> like, I feel there are so many like shit right-wing Sorry. like spewing Nate, channels I ban first. Nate, put it, put in, put in the Brendan O'Neill theme song. <laughs> That's right. We are talking once again about Brendan... O'Neill. Big Brendan. The, the guy who has my favorite surf brand of all time. The highest IQ in all of Britain. Quicksilver. Brendan O'Neill. <laughs> the guy the the smartest, most logical man who understands that you need to affix your wallet to yourself with a kind of chain, chain. lest it get <laughs> stolen. Did you remember the days when O'Neill's was a brand of sports surfwear that everyone used to wear? Where no. is O'Neill's now? It was like Quicksilver, but also. It got sued by Brendan O'Neill for being the too <laughs> rational a brand of surfwear. I'm sure many of our listeners will have seen 
that Boris Johnson um, recently uh, wrote an article in the Telegraph whereupon he said, um, that Muslim women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fucking Yay. very convoluted. Unto therefore, which in summation. <laughs> Everyone here is fired. <laughs> <laughs> so from the person who doesn't own a stake in the podcast. <laughs> Nate. Um, <laughs> Nate, please make me look good. <laughs> Boris Johnson, Foreign Secretary of the United Kingdom and overall oaf, has written an article uh, where he has said um, that Muslim women who are wearing uh, burqas, and even though he mostly means niqabs, um, uh, basically look like letterboxes, and he wouldn't trust them more than bank robbers. Okay, so I, I, now I don't like being fair to Boris Johnson, but can we be fair to Boris Johnson for one, one brief second before then ripping him mercilessly, which is that he did say, I want unreservably women to be allowed to wear niqabs, and I think it's important that they are not banned. Wasn't that his initial point? Well, that's the thing. It's like it's, it was his initial point, but then by everything he says subsequently, you can understand that actually it doesn't really. What mean he things. really wants to do is he wants to rile up an Islamophobic base in order to like energize his like eventual uh, campaign for conservative party leader. Um, but he also wants to give himself a fig leaf so that everyone else can't say he's racist. If I had a letterbox in the shape of an, uh, a, a, a human woman wearing a niqab, I would think I'd be doing pretty well. That's a very bespoke letterbox. <laughs> you, yeah. can't, you can't buy a letterbox like that. No, you absolutely cannot. No. What I um, hate about Muslim women is they're all bright red and full of posts. <laughs> <laughs> No. Um, so, so Boris Johnson wrote this article a few days ago, um, and it has it has triggered something. Here's the thing: I normally give the Conservative Party no credit at all, but <laughs> but um, to her credit, Saida Warsi, who consistently calls out Islamophobia in the Conservative Party is not like every other conservative MP, including your beloved Saida Warsi. No, no, Saida Warsi. No, I need to edit that out. Wait, you just said Saida Warsi was right. not like Saida Warsi. That's why I said Nate edited that out. That's the best like, part of the podcast so far. Like every other conservative MP, including your beloved Anna Subri, has not mm. effectively called Boris Johnson out because ultimately they're kind of fine with it. However, Saeed Awarsi has been, to her credit, a very vocal opponent of Islamophobia in the Conservative Party, which, need I not remind you, is a lot of how they get elected. Yeah. Saeed Awarsi, a much-needed reminder that Muslims can also be rich. <laughs> well, look, you know, every day, when I, every day when, I, when I venture into my local WH Smith to buy water and I'm somehow blackmailed into buying a copy of the, of the Daily Telegraph um, because the, the cashier will not just let me buy Evian. I just want Evian. And they're like, do you want a copy of the Telegraph? And I say, no, I just want the Evian. Um, I actually like, recently did this at but the you know, you, can get, you know you can get your Evian cheaper by buying the Telegraph. It's like, I don't want to buy the Telegraph. I only read manga. Like, I say this to you every day. 
but are you sure you don't want to buy the Telegraph? The cartoons in it are really good. They're not really good, Sam. They're not. We've talked about this already. They're not, they're <laughs> not good. The guy who makes it, they, he has paid too much. Anyway, the point is, is that I had to read this article in print. Or die of thirst. Which, 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 which somehow makes it worse because like, you can't comment on a screen. You just have to like, make annotations on the side. Um, so I ended up drawing like a mustache on Boris Johnson and it was very funny. Um, okay. But in seriousness, right. I think most of like the initial takes have already been said. Um, this is really just like an attempt to push the Overton window. Um, in that, like, I think the idea of like, I'm not going to ban it, but I think it, you know, I'm going to just kind of like insult people who wear it instead. Like, you know, it ultimately served as like a very good defense for Boris Johnson in that like right-wing people, right-wing like chuds like Jacob Rees-Mogg or um, like the guy, like the goons who run Westmonster, the uh, Aaron Banks website um, were basically able to kind of like say all the stuff that Boris Johnson wasn't anyway, i.e. like we would have gone further and banned it. And actually Boris Johnson's a really nice liberal because at least he won't like ban it, even though he like personally disagrees with it. Like, I think what we have to kind of what like, and I think we, we recognize it. Lots of people recognize it, but like mainstream media goons, like who've been writing in like the times and stuff this week kind of either don't recognize it or they refuse to. So yeah, go on. Okay. It's the, the thing to remember here is that, and and we're going to read from a a quick, um, a quick article from our friend, Brendan O'Neill. Big Brendan. The most edgy columnist in Britain. Um, and he has said, like, basically, there is a liberal criticism of Islam to be made, etc., etc. But that the thing to remember is that, like, there are, what, several hundred Niqabi women in Britain? Um, if that, yeah. If that. There are, and I, I read this, this sticks out to me, um, there are in Quebec, a Canadian province of millions of people, 90, there are 90 of them in a province of millions of people. This is a tiny percentage of the population. This is a percentage of the population that is comparable to that of like, I don't know, Catholic nuns. Nine, like, not 90 Nikabi women, otherwise known as at least four blazing squads. <laughs> yeah, Ca- Catholic nuns, uncover <laughs> your hair. What's going on there? Are you bald? We need to know. You look like a letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> you right? look like a basketball hoop. <laughs> <laughs> Someone uh, may dunk on you, and he may not, know, may not notice. <laughs> right? Like is this that is you with a capital H. Or? Th- th- this is a tiny percentage of the population that yeah. is comparable to other percentages of the population that otherwise wear different kinds of conservative religious dress of other religions. That the point of singling them out is either nothing or, more insidiously, to rile up a base that just doesn't like people who look different from them. Shall we have a quick stroll through Brendan O'Neill's article, Boris Johnson and the Liberal Criticism of Islam? Shall we, shall we do that? I mean, I mean, we have no choice. <laughs> yeah, no. Shall we? Have to? Shall we not? You have. You have to. It's a thing. Shan't we? <laughs> I'm literally sitting. I'm sitting in like a, in a big empty room on my own, like <laughs> shouting at a computer screen. So yes, let's just do this, please. So Brendan O'Neill writes. 
With a fucking W, you cretins. A truly bizarre thing happened yesterday. Boris Johnson was branded an Islamophobe and a bigot <laughs> for writing in defense of Muslim women who wear the niqab. In his Telegraph column, Johnson said it was wrong for Denmark to ban the niqab and burqa in public places because the state should not be telling any freeborn adult woman freeborn on the basis that... It's a slave-born. On the basis that that's still a possible... <laughs> they can suck it up. On the basis that that's still a possible way to be born. Um, My born sex slave women, if you think you can take your niqab off, you're damn wrong. Freeborn adult woman, which she may or may not wear in a public place when she is simply minding their own business. Now, what is her business? Of Born course, he is. He is then. He has made this claim, and then he he then said that you know um, he then said the following. But however, uh, the niqab and burqa are oppressive garments, and um, and 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 O'Neill goes on. He said he dislikes the pressure some Muslim men put on Muslim women to don these black, shapeless, quote unquote, modesty garments. And that some women who wear the burqa look like letterboxes. Some. That's interesting. So Not really, all. really what he's saying isn't that the burqa makes women look like letterboxes, but that certain women have the attributes of letterboxes and, and some of these women choose through their own personal freedom to wear burqas. So really his issue is with the women rather than the garment. <laughs> some, some women have like uh, raised like, uh, you know, fucking... <laughs> In- engraved like times of post collections <laughs> on their chest. Yeah. Oh no. All of it's like it's the the point that that, that Johnson is making, right? Is that we've had too many beers, uh, wines. No. The point. Jo- the point. The point Johnson is making here ultimately is is that he's like ah, that look funny. Don't they look weird? On the basis that like again. No one else has ever looked weird on the basis of religion, as though he's never seen the fucking Pope. But he's not even oh, able yeah. to commit to his position because he says some. He's not even saying it makes them look like this. He's still saying some to give himself a get out clause yeah. because he knows that he might be wrong. Because some have tig ass biddies and letterboxes don't have those. My, my curvy postbox looking wife. <laughs> I, lo- I love my curvy postbox wife. Yeah, he's, no, he's, yeah. A cow- he's just a coward. Yeah. No, it's it, no, oh, it's. What like, am I posting today? Oh, it's come. The extreme. I love my post box looking wife because she just lets me post all the time. Yeah, <laughs> post it up. Posting well, no, so it's, it's like It's like, is he saying, oh, yeah, this is a really goofy looking religious adornment? As again, as though he's never seen the Catholic yeah, Church. Yeah. It's like, no, we, we've invented a special collar for everyone to wear. Women have to wear square hats that go over their shoulders. To be honest, I think those hats are really sexy. And we've invented a kind of like special golden robe and shoes with a big cornice for our big guy to wear. I find this I find this debate so difficult to really form an opinion on on the basis that like uh, like the, the the liberal lefty in me is like you yeah, have don't to... conflate the liberal and the left, Milo. You know no, better no, no, than no. that. I mean, liberal with a small L in the sense of being liberal in believing that people should be able to do what they want. Free. Which the left also believes in, like I believe that everyone can have whatever sexual orientation they want, etc. That kind of liberal, the good kind, right? Just okay, to clarify, fine, fine, fine. That's fine. the kind of liberal we're fine with. Are we all agree. Okay, yes, sure, good. good. Yes, uh, and I believe that you know everyone has complete freedom of religion, should be able to wear whatever they want as part of that religion. That's not a problem. But also, there's another part of me which thinks that like all religion is so inherently dumb that why are we even like why like 
And like Muslims take a lot of heat, which is undeserved and that's a problem. And it's all bound up with racism and white supremacy and what have you. But also like dressing up to please God is dumb. Yeah. I think, look, I think that that gets to like a, a core of it, which is were there to be a Christian, a, a group of very extreme Christians who are like, no, all women need to dress as nuns. And if they don't go out in public as nuns, it's a bad thing, et cetera, et cetera. I would oppose that shit. Well, then, but then, but then, the, I mean, because, but I think ultimately, like, really, the, like, what Boris Johnson is doing, um, and, and everyone's free to disagree with me should they so choose, is, um, <laughs> what, like, hang on, hang on, give me, give, give me space. Trying to figure yeah. out how I'm going to so choose. <laughs> <laughs> which is that, and which is essentially like, he is saying, that look, I'm I'm concerned that Muslim men, as white men often do, they're like, no, I'm concerned about Muslim men. I'm concerned that Muslim men are making Muslim women um, dress as letterboxes for reasons of I don't want anyone else getting a boner about her. Reasons of having a sick Halloween party. <laughs> and but the thing is, I think if Boris Johnson and the conservatives were genuinely concerned about spousal um, about spousal coercion. Understanding that spousal coercion is not a uniquely Muslim thing, it's sure. a, it's it happens to fucking everybody. There are tons of abused women out there who are controlled by their spouses. Whether that's a, a lady who has to check in for every ten minutes of where she is, or she'll get the shit kicked out of her, or someone who's you know made to wear something or whatever, but that. The, that this one garment doesn't necessarily indicate spousal abuse, and he's conflating it as though it does. And if you really want to free someone from spousal abuse, there is literally data that shows the best way to do that is to empower them economically. And I don't see Boris Johnson clamoring to sort of create social programs that transfer money to conservative Muslim women. So I there's don't also, think there's also like a real lack of data to kind of show that women who like were previously like, you know, lived unburkered free lives, um, you know, were kind of forced to wear it upon marriage. Um, mm. So like even I, I have a friend of mine who like runs like the biggest Muslim dating website probably in the world called Mismatch. And we were talking about this. We were talking about this a couple of months ago. Um, and he's got a function on the website, which is like for women who like wear niqabs and stuff and want to get married. And he's basically kind of says, but like he, there has been no case where like a woman who has been matched to a guy, um, successfully, like who, who doesn't wear a niqab, like has been kind of all of a sudden, like been forced to wear one. Like that's kind of like, it's basically a non-problem or it's a problem that's so minuscule that like you take it by mm. as a case by case basis yeah. and not as something as a trend. I think it's like, what what it kind of what it what it was ultimately was like it was kind of a re a rehash of like an orientalist trope right the yeah. idea of like the liberated and the unliberated woman and the idea that like you know if you show if you show like a lot of skin but this this is another thing too right like so in this particular in this particular context um, what he was basically trying to say is like women who show more skin are more liberated than women who like show less skin right but that's yeah. a really stupid and redundant argument. But partially because of like the segment that you you guys probably have like talked about next, right? Um, which is the idea that like you know clothes really do not number one clothes really aren't like a good litmus test for liberation, and number two like it completely ignores the idea that like fashion has always been like oppressive, 
and the history of fashion has like been one of it is route with like you know misogyny um you know sexualization sex like overt sexism violent sexism like you know and that you know and fashion is like this huge british industry like one that boris johnson will probably want to champion if he does ever become pm so yeah it's it's the same thing where it's like is like brendan o'neill is as quick to say that you know we should not can we that we we cannot insult a woman for wearing the burqa but then he's also out of the same side of his mouth will say that anyone who says that the tradition of like you know bikini clad grid girls at darts games or you know races or whatever oh yes is, the grid at a darts match uh, i we'll don't fucking know i don't, I don't know I, I have no idea how these sports when work all the cars line up at the darts game <laughs> i assume <laughs> I assume I, I, I don't I don't understand any of these sports and I don't care to. But Boris Johnson is the same guy who will say that no no we need grid girls. No Boris Johnson, Brendan O'Neill, and Boris Johnson to be fair uh, are the same people who say no we need grid girls. We it's oh it's it's misogynist if you don't have that. It's almost as though it's almost as though scratch my head, sell me a bridge, and take my wallet, wall and inspector. Um, people like Boris Johnson and Brendan O'Neill are just going to appropriate the language of, you know, people who are genuinely concerned with, like, you know, genuinely concerned with misogyny, genuinely concerned with racism, and so on, and just tool that language to sort of serve the opposite of its intended purpose. Hang on, sorry, I have to go give my wallet to the wallet inspector for a second. Yeah, I I completely agree with that. All I'm saying is that, like, the campaign to get grid girls to be at Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments is, like, a really important one to me. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and and you should be taking it more seriously. We need you don't want a sausage fest on the grid. We need burkas for grid girls. Yeah, and I mean, that it's, too. and that too. Yeah, I mean, it's completely. I think that you know, people like Boris Johnson are rightly met with like the fact that they are essentially just yeah appropriating the idea of being concerned about women when really they're just like having a pop at the Muslims, right? Yeah. Um, the problem is, that I guess, like. Sometimes there is a there is a point to be made that you know okay there are certain structures which can be used in the oppressal of women but that's also a very complicated issue and that's often like in it's completely polluted with the problems of like white supremacy and people just not look, liking people who look a bit different and, and it also, makes it so difficult like difficult to make also an objective a conversation obsession. that shouldn't be like led by a guy who like you know isn't nece- is like isn't necessarily like a champion for women's rights to begin with yeah a man who looks like a scarecrow made of offal. <laughs> I just have to quickly find an Andrew Lillico tweet. Andrew Lillico said, actually, sometimes the sexiest part of a woman is the eyes. It was just really horny about the Birkin Oh my man. God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I'm he, just was like horny f- on, he was horny on Maine, but in like a super halal way. Brendan O'Neill's point of view is basically stupid. I mean, they're all stupid. But Brendan O'Neill's is uniquely, uniquely asinine which is basically like um oh uh actually have you considered that uh the niqab may be bad like Mm. which is just i don't know lots of things are complicated fucking brendan and the fact that you just choose to simplify this into not niqab good niqab bad grid Mm. girls good not grid girls bad just shows that actually you basically don't care about personal liberation. You really just care about showing the totalitarianism of anyone who dares to think in a structural way, which means you are once again winning yourself the 
fucking gold medal of the dumbest British British political pundit that fucking exists. Wow, well, mate, Piers Morgan though. Second dumbest British political <laughs> pundit that fucking exists. Call up the jewelry store, tell them make me a grid. So there's one there's one more. There's one more take I want to read on this. This is gonna be quick before we hop in with um with with with, with Molly and Juno. Mm-hmm. Um which is Andrew Lillico, uh noted genius, uh tweets about this. He says, you know. One thing I've noticed in practice when I visited majority Muslim countries where veiling was more common, when you can only see their eyes, that makes women look really sexy. I can't help feeling that's not entirely intended. Andrew Lillico out here, finna bust. <laughs> Boris Johnson, every time I look at a woman when I'm masturbating, I don't want to think about a post box. <laughs> what is up with that? Let a man bust. <laughs> So Andrew Andrew Allah Lillico, wants men to bust. Andrew Andrew Lillico just out here <laughs> trying to stay stiffed up about some HM letterboxes. Man just trying to stay hard, man. I've done half a pill of MD and I'm trying to fuck this post box. <laughs> Stop killing my vibe, Boris Johnson. Trying to put my letters in the post, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so Andrew Going Lillico. Postal out here. <laughs> Uh, Aiden, thank you very much for hopping in on this one. We'll include details to your show in the next episode and in the description of this one. There's so many details um, in the next episode. <laughs> so many so details. Many details. Um, lads, thank you for for phoning for phoning in or, or hopping in. Um, Thanks, Carl. and phoning it in as usual. <laughs> yeah, and then let's um, let's enjoy the. Uh, let's let's in, let's enjoy our interview. Then subsequently enjoy. <laughs> well, let's let's enjoy it. Uh, with uh, Molly Smith and Juno Mack, who have both written uh, the book Revolting Prostitutes, which is out on Verso soon, where we're going to talk about sex work and all that good shit. In the meantime, we'll see you later. Hi, this is Nate the producer. You may remember me from all the times my name gets yelled and is followed by, cut this please, we libeled someone again. We experienced some technical difficulties retrieving all of the files from the interview with Juno and Molly. So rather than leaving this episode hanging on the wire for the next week while we try to solve our terrible and completely on-brand audio problems, we figured we would release this even though you were promised an insightful interview after 45 minutes of Riley and company drinking too much and talking. And instead, you will get nothing because that's the way it works. However, if you want to attend Milo's comedy show, it is still ongoing during the Fringe Festival up until the 26th August. So go see Milo at La Vida. It's on Queens Ferry Street Lane in the basement, of course, every night from 1815 onwards. You can also potentially encounter Riley. You might regret it. I will do my best to recover the audio so that we can have an actual interview in a normal episode of this very normal and very well-produced podcast. But in the interim, I must say, as the person who listens to this show in its completely unedited form, thank you for your patience. God bless you. In the future, when we institute fully automated luxury gay space communism, the four of us will be better at our jobs. I promise.